Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of NHLB, Alicia Stickles. In this podcast, we have real conversations about hard issues facing families today in hopes that the conversations would equip you with practical tools based on biblical principles for tough topics and seasons of family life. In today's episode, I have a conversation with Katie Morris Lebreton, a social media professional and the redhead of the Redhead Method Social Media Education, to talk about the parental dilemma of teens and technology. This conversation is so rich with information that we broke it up into two parts. Today, in part one, Katie and I will discuss the reality of the culture surrounding teens and social media. Not to scare you, but to bring deeper understanding and equip you to help your kids navigate tech and social media well. I seriously can't wait for you to hear this conversation, so let's get to it. Hey friends, welcome to an episode of No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life. I am your host, Alicia Stickles, and today I am here with my friend, Katie Morse Lebreton of The Redheaded Method. Um, Katie, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. It's so good to, to see you, even if it's via Zoom land. Yes. It's podcast land. Yes. And I was just telling Katie that we are becoming fast friends because... <laughs> She's seeing behind the curtain into my closet. <laughs> your, I will say that, that your closet really is very organized. I would not be brave enough to record from my closet right now. I would not let anyone see the contents of what's going on behind that door. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> so, Katie, um, we did, golly, this is years ago now, but we did a training with you a couple of years ago um, talking about the parental dilemma. And yes. the whole seminar was basically just about how parents help their kids navigate um, this technology, social media kind mm -hmm. of world. Because the new it, world that we all now live in. Yes. yes. And it is like, I know as a parent that's just getting into that age, like my, my oldest is going to be 13. Um, he just got a phone, like he doesn't have mm -hmm. any social media or anything like that. But like, I am just like, ah! there, and there's no, there's no rule book. And that's why you are like, ah, because yes. there is no rule book for parents. There's no rule book for anyone, you know, and we'll, we'll get into that, but yes, absolutely. So your 
business slash ministry slash whatever the redheaded method um is social media training right am i saying that i'm gonna let you explain everything that you do because you'll do it so much better than me but um talk a little bit about that like what you Mm do uh where your passion for this came from Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff so um the redhead method is kind of what i i tell people it's my covid baby my passion project Um, but it started in my experience when I first was working in college football. Um, I was a student athlete. I played softball at Southeastern. Um, and then right out of school, I went to work in division one athletics and football. And part of my job there was to monitor what our student athletes put out on their social media profiles. And it was not even then to the level that it is today, you know, back then, there was no NIL where student athletes could get paid for their social media. Right. So it wasn't even 10 years ago to the level that it is now. Um, But when I was there, I was realizing that there was almost this epidemic where every other day I was having to text a player, call a player and say, Hey dude, like, what are you doing? (laughs) Why did you put that on your Twitter? Why did you put that on your Instagram? And these were good kids. You know, these were kids that really knew right from wrong, knew better, good students, good student athletes, great to work with and to coach. And even they were putting things on their social media. And I was like, dude, you're going to have to like get a job or you want to go be in the NFL. People are going to see that, you know? And, and I'm like, wait a second, nobody ever told them what to do because no one ever told me what to do. I was in their shoes. And this was also in a time when I was in college that Twitter and Facebook had been around for a while, but Twitter was brand new. Instagram was brand new. And it was kind of the wild, wild west. And it was only young people. My peers were the only people on it. Yeah. And then now it has evolved to where everybody's online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really where the first seeds of Redhead Method were planted. Right. Yeah. And so I decided because, you know, I was 22 years old and I knew everything because I don't know if you know that 22 year olds know everything Absolutely. and they, you know, make no mistakes. So I went to the athletic director at the time at Tulane. His name is Troy Dannon and he's, he's awesome. I can't say enough about Troy Dannon, but long story short, this was the man that signed my checks and <laughs> I went an important to him. guy. <laughs> he's, he's, he's pretty important dude. And I was like, hey, you know, boss man, I've really noticed that we have this problem where our football players, but really our, our student athlete group as a whole, they are, don't know what to do on social media to present a positive brand. They don't know how to market themselves. They're really kind of setting themselves up for failure because they just put whatever goes into their brain out on social media and they don't realize the repercussions that this has. And he's like, well, you know, it's funny that you brought that up, Katie, because there's this software company. And again, this was 10 years ago at this point. And he said, there's this software company that is trying to basically sell Tulane Athletics, their product. And it's a social media background checking software. And now in 2023, these kind of softwares are a dime a dozen. You can get these anywhere um, because technology has evolved so fast. But he said, I'm going to give you the trial. You put your social media accounts in there to see how it works. And if you think it's worth the money, I will buy it. And then I will also let you be the person that teaches all of our student athletes about this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'd love to do that because 
I've never done anything wrong ever in my life. And <laughs> I especially have never put anything stupid on social media, even though I've had these accounts since I was literally 13 years old. And now I'm 23 years old, an adult with bills to pay. And all of the things that I had put online are still there as a kid. Right. And so you can probably guess what happened. So I, I put my social media accounts into this basic little machine and it's, it beep, boop, beep, booped, and it spit out a spreadsheet and it put, it organizes everything you've ever posted and it flags anything that it might consider inappropriate or what you tell it is inappropriate. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, what? I don't even remember saying this. I don't even, <laughs> what, whose brain did this come out of? It didn't come out of my brain. And I'm looking back and all of the things that were problematic were when I was a, a kid, when I was yeah. 13, 14, 15 years old. And I was, I thought only in a setting where my peers were and nobody was looking yeah. and it was still out there. And I had a full blown panic attack right. <laughs> and said, okay, this, I, I can't go back now. Like I have to go show this basic, this spreadsheet of all of my wrongdoing essentially to the man that signs my checks. Mm. And looking back now, I was like, he, he really gave me a gift because he was so wonderful with how he handled it. And I brought it to him and he's like, well, this is not good. And I'm like, well, the software works. (laughs) Um, And, and he's like, you know, Katie, you're, you're smart. You're good at what you do. He said, but I in good faith cannot let you lead our student athletes in this manner on this subject when this is what is out there with your name attached to it. So you have a week. I'm not going to pay you for a week. Go home, get your house in order, basically. And if you can figure a way out of this in a positive situation, we can talk about keeping your job. Wow. Wow. And so, and, and he was absolutely right. I mean, there's nowadays almost every company or they, they should make their, their employees sign social media clauses. Yeah. Um, and so I drive across the causeway back to Ponchatoula from new Orleans, have a full blown panic attack driving across the causeway in my Corolla. And I go to my parents' house and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm inconsolable because Mm. in my mind I had lost my dream job because my job was on the sidelines of football every day, shooting videos, making content and doing what I was passionate about. And it was the very thing that I loved was my downfall. Right. And at that time, because I was on camera, because I was on the sidelines, I was also verified, which for those that don't know what that means, that's that blue check next to people's names when you get on TikTok or Instagram or Twitter, Oh yeah. Um, which it, it's just there that program's way of saying this person is important and you need to listen to them. It means nothing. Right. Um, <laughs> but it also meant that more people had eyeballs on what I was doing. Yeah. And so it was even more higher stakes. Yeah. And I I told my parents, I was like, I don't know, what am I going to do? I don't know what else to do. And my dad, bless his heart, said something. He was like, well, Katie, we, we told you constantly in high school, you better watch what you put on Facebook. You better watch what you put on Twitter because, you know, to some people that might be funny, but to some other people that might not be funny and that might get you in trouble and you wouldn't listen. Yeah. And and that really hit me. I'm like, my parents, you know, even back then when my dad would call Facebook, 
you know, Facetune and fa- all these different things. You didn't know what it was. Right. Mm-hmm. Even still had the reasoning to be like, you better really tread lightly with this because you don't know where this is going to go. And I was like, I wish I had somebody not other than my parents, because my parents did such a great job. But I think a lot of younger parents and a lot of kids will relate to your parents can tell you something all, all week long. And then someone else who's objective and outside of your house can tell you the exact same thing. And it resonates. Yes. And I said, I wish that I would have had somebody come to me when I was 13, 14, 15 years old and putting out all these stupid tweets to look me in the eyes and say, you, you don't need to put that out there because it's going to affect your life in 10 years. Yeah. You might not understand, but you need to listen. Yeah. That's why I love, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I just, that's why I love, um, kind of your self-title is your, that you describe yourself as your social media, big sister. Yes. Because that's what big sisters do, right? They're like, look, I've been through it. I've done it. I've messed up. Here's what you need to do and what you need to not do more importantly. And And that's not even from like, we're just talking like a, a job, you know, mm -hmm. protect your future kind of not even Right. We're not, not even, even talking what, about safety and not, not even what redhead method has evolved into, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, redhead method, social media education is really uh, how I explain it is that it's a social media literacy for the whole person. Yeah. Cause everyone needs it. Kids, parents, professionals, student athletes, educators, everyone, but how it affects me as a person in every facet of my life, meaning as a child, as a parent, as a professional, as a friend, as a woman, um, it affects people in every aspect of their life, my mental health, everything. And so that's really where redhead method started Mm. and kind of what it's evolved into. Yeah. You know, the first couple years, you know, going back to the, the, that couch where I was crying and thinking my life was over. That's really where it started was me at my worst and saying, I wish I would have had this help. Yeah. Because nobody had it. And I, and I was a good kid. You know, I was raised in church. My grandfather was my pastor for heaven's sake. So I was under a microscope, you know, um, I was a division one scholarship student athlete. I made straight A's. I'm also a firstborn female. So if there are any people listening that are firstborn daughters, you get it. Um, you can't mess up. You can't make mistakes. Uh -uh. Right. Absolutely not. And I did not know how to handle this because this was kind of one of the points in my life where I was like, I messed up yeah. and the only person that can fix it is me. And the only person I can blame for it is me. Yeah. And so that is where redhead method was born. Yeah. And so very long story short, I had to pay a software company, which now these, these don't even exist because social media has caught up to where it's very hard to delete things and all of that. Um, paid a software company to basically delete all of my accounts. And when I tell you it was expensive, it was so expensive that I had to move back in with my parents in Ponchatoula and come oh, wow. back and forth to New Orleans every day. Oh my um, goodness. Now I got to keep my job, which is wonderful. And, and Troy Dannon really helped, you know, in, inspire me to make redhead method a, my passion. Cause he's like, people need this obviously. Cause if you messed up, everybody messes up. Yeah. So it really started as kind of a social media reputation training, mm-hmm. but it has evolved because 
teaching that training, I realized there's so much many more facets to this than just don't put out anything stupid so you don't get in trouble in 10 years. Right. It's, you know, how your phone and your social media, your digital presence affects every facet of your life every day. Yeah. How you talk to yourself, how you parent your kids, everything. Um, and so I've done the research and of course, then five or six years later, COVID hits and we all have a lot of time on our hands. And so I was like, let me really dig in and research because I have a master's degree in strategic communications, which I know how to research stuff. Yeah. I know how to research all the other really smart people and mm-hmm. <laughs> make it a, a curriculum. You know, I, I know where to find information and that's where the redhead method that you see today was born out of COVID because I had the time to really sit and make it a curriculum and learn about how our brains work and how it affects the household with parenting and their kids and how it affects our professional lives with our bosses and even our relationships to our friends and our spouses. And it's, it's become this really exciting journey to meet so many different types of people and share my story. And I think that's really what resonates with people. And I feel yeah. I've been talking for like eight minutes from one question that you asked. <laughs> it's so, okay. um, no, feel- but it, no, I mean, I think having that background information, you know, it really explains a lot about you, like mm-hmm. why you're so passionate about this subject and where your expertise not only comes from all the research and the, but it also comes from you know, personal experience mm-hmm. and your, like you said, your paycheck um, being dependent on mm-hmm. uh, being right. able to navigate this stuff well. And that's really why I'm so excited for you to be here today is because, you know, we have, there's a lot of parents listening. Like that's mm-hmm. really kind of who, there's not a lot of teens hopping mm-hmm. on hope in the heart of family life. And I know you do like training sessions with teens, but what I really want to talk about today is talking to those parents that are listening that, okay, you know, I remember the way you said it. It's like we hand our 13 year old supercomputers and mm-hmm. we expect them not to mess up. Yep. <laughs> or, you know, know what to do with it and how, why it's mm-hmm. bad to like, you know, stare at your screen for however many hours. Anyway, um, just want to help, you know, because hope in the heart of family life is all about equipping, mm-hmm. you know, families to thrive. With and I love that. I love with, that because yeah. when I listen to speakers who kind of just talk about all these lofty ideas and I'm like, but tell me what to do. Like, right. <laughs> give me something that I can do right now. When I turn this podcast off, that can help me. Yeah, um, exactly. When just to all the parents who are listening, I always preface this when I speak to parents. Um, I do not have kids. <laughs> So (laughs) let me preface anything I say after this with, I do not have kids. So this is not me telling any parent listening that how you parent is wrong or how you parent, you need to think about how you parent. This is not me questioning or judging your choices. It is simply a third party objective professional who is just offering you advice Um, because throughout the redhead method and all of the parents and families that I've talked to parenting is hard. Like yes. this ministry is, this sounds horrible, but this has been a form of birth control because I'm like, <laughs> I'm like th- being a parent today is hard. There are so many things you have to think about and juggle that parents a generation ago did not have to think about. Yes. And it's almost turned up to 20 
And so, you know, I want parents to know that you're not alone. Like it's okay to be confused and don't think that this is some millennial judging your parenting choices, especially a millennial that doesn't have kids. Right. Um, (laughs) Because I see what you do and I'm like, kudos to you. I will have, you know, when I'm sitting there and I'm talking to parents and I hear them talk about their problems, I go home and I tell my husband, I'm like, we're going to push it off another three years. We can't do it. I was like, or our, our kids are going to be Amish. We're not going to, we're not going to have technology. We're going to move to the mountains and turn our own butter. We're, we're not going to have anything. They're, they're not going to be exposed to anything. This is wild. So, um, that, you know, any parents listening, I'm here for you. I'm not here to judge you or question you. Yeah, um, absolutely. So what I want to first start with, because I feel mm-hmm. like before we can give them the practicals, yes, it's, it's having an understanding, right? Mm-hmm. Like, understanding what your teen is facing, how it affects Mm -hmm. them. So that's kind of my first question is what are maybe a couple of things that you feel like are important for parents to understand about social media, Mm -hmm. technology, and teenagers? Mm -hmm. I think first, one of the most important things parents need to understand is that it is okay for your teen or your, your child to care about what's going on online. And there's, there's this divide, it seems like between the generations and that is okay. And I, I, when I explain this in my sessions, I break down different generations, relationships to technology. So very long story short, the reason that you do not see why your kids give a crap about like, you're like, why do you care so much? My dad would say this all the time why do you care so much about what's on Facebook? I don't understand. And it's because when he was a teenager, Facebook did not exist. And so you parents need to understand that Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and whatever new technology is going to come out tomorrow, because it's not going to stop, right? which is kind of scary. That is our children's social currency. That is part of their social currency. And what I mean by that is, you know, Parents who are part, you know, not generate, not millennials, all the generations before that. And I use my dad and my mom as an example. Their social currency with their peers ended when they got off the bus from school. Right. They did not have a constant connection 24 seven to their peers. And our kids do. Yeah. And so it is ingrained in them that this, that social interaction continues even when they get home because of these little supercomputers. Yeah. And so I think that's the first thing parents need to understand is your kids are going to care about their online lives because that is a part of their world. They don't know any other world. Right. Um, And we sometimes don't understand because when parents who grew up in the seventies, eighties, early nineties, this literally did not exist. The, our, their social currency was go get on your bike and ride through the neighborhood and see whose kids are outside. Yeah. And that was it. Um, and so that's the first thing is your kids are going to care about it okay. and your kids are going to want to exist in that space. Yep. Now on the flip side, you are not a crazy parent for not wanting them to just dive straight into that space immediately. Right. Um, so you're not being a hovering helicopter parent by caring about what your kids do online, you're doing them a a service. Yeah. And parents who don't care about what their kids do online are doing their kids a disservice because kids are kids. They're going to mess up. We're all humans. We all mess up. Yeah. Kids, especially 
um, and I go into this a lot in my sessions, but I break down literally children's and teens brain chemistry. And do you know how old, and you might remember this from my presentation, but females and males, do you know how old girls will be when their brains are fully formed according to science? It's like 25 or 25. something, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So well, I'm actually just learned that in my human development class in yes. seminary, but yeah, it was like, and we give them these computers. We give them these devices at five years old. Like yes. next time you go out to eat, next time you're at the Mexican restaurant and you're having your queso, look around. Every child you see has a device in their hand and yeah. I'm not blaming parents for it because sometimes I'm like, somebody give that kid an iPhone so it'll be quiet. Right. Like, well, I yeah, get I it. Was, I know I was in the same boat. Like before I had kids, cause you know, I have three boys now. Mm -hmm. Um, like that, <laughs> that's the biggest thing that I have gone back on because, you know, I, I remember being that same boat, like not having kids looking around. I'm never giving my oh, kid a phone gosh. at the table. I'm going to be so humbled when I have kids. It's not going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to sit and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And then like you have one and it's like, here, take the phone just so I can have it's like, like here, a minute. Melt your brain for three minutes <laughs> right. so I can have a sip of this margarita and have an ounce right. of sanity. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. But yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And boys, you know, and you have three boys, so get ready. Boys, it's even later in life. Oh, no. <laughs> boys' brains are 30 years old. Oh, wow. When they are fully formed. And awesome. I love I love it when I go to schools and and say this in front of mixed groups of boys and girls, because the girls, I see it in their face. They go, that makes so much sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because. Yes you know, and that's just science. And so mm -hmm. when we, when we put it in the perspective of literal brain chemistry, kids do not have the ability to make long-term decisions because their brains are not formed. Our brains grow from the back to the front. And so the first thing that forms in our brain is basically our pleasure centers. And so that's why when babies, when they cry, they don't know if they're hungry. They don't know if they're tired. They don't know if they need to be held. They just know that they need a need met. They don't yeah. have long-term decision-making skills. Kids and teens, same thing. They are like, what is going to entertain me right now in this moment? They're not thinking about, you know, maybe I don't put out this picture of me to try to get some likes right now and make me feel good right now, because in 10 years, I might not want this picture of me out on the internet. Right. They literally don't have the capacity to make that decision. And so that's also one of the, the things that I want parents to understand is your child's not bad. Your child's not stupid. This is a literal supercomputer that we have given them that they are comfortable with using, but it has the effects to affect their life for the rest of their life. But and they don't have the capacity to make they, those decisions. They don't. They wow. don't. Um, and, and I think about myself and I put myself back in my shoes when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, which when I think about, I'm like, who gave me Facebook at 12? Right. I was an, I was an idiot. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> all, all I was, I, I posted a lot of things about like, I was in love with Johnny Depp and like, which now is kind of problematic. And, you know, like I was just really so wrapped up in things that a kid brain is worried about and mm -hmm. putting it out there on the internet and it's going to be there forever. Yeah. Um, and that's an, another aspect that I also tell parents is kids have this 
false bubble of security or protection because they are interacting with their peers in a universal setting. And here's what I mean by that. Um, Let's use Snapchat as an example. I hate Snapchat. (laughs) If there's any parents listening, like that's the last app you're going to let your kids have. And we'll talk about (laughs) why in a second. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when younger people use Snapchat, it's it's kind of one-on-one direct communication. For those parents who don't know really how it works, it's you you see, you take a selfie, you send it directly to your friend. And that's, it's kind of like texting, but with instant pictures and, you know, videos. Mm. And so they have this illusion that it's only to this small group of people that they are communicating, but it's in this universal setting, meaning that can go anywhere. That's, that's in this software that is, can go anywhere, can be hacked by anyone and Snapchats do not go away. Like they go into this cloud and it's, it's there forever. Yeah. And I think kids have this false sense of security where they're like, well, I was just talking to my friends. Right. And it's, I always use the, the example of when you think of talking one-on-one to someone, like I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write you a letter because we're friends and we're pen pals. And I, I have the intention only you, your eyeballs are going to look at this. And then I go to send this letter And then I also take that letter and I put it on a billboard out on the highway. That's what social media is. Yeah. My intention is that it's only going to get mailed to you and only your eyeballs are going to see it. But it's the same as if I put that letter on a billboard. Yeah. Now does everybody sees it. Yeah. Now does that false because you do, you bring up a good Mm -hmm. point. So that false sense of security that they feel like they have, is it because it's does it go back to that brain development thing or does it go back to the fact that they just haven't been educated and Mm -hmm. told enough that and made aware Mm -hmm. that their stuff is actually going on the proverbial billboard as opposed Mm -hmm. to um the pen pal. Yeah. Which is a great example. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's because one, they haven't been told what the possibilities or repercussions are of what they do online, but also two, it's, there's this aspect of instant and quick with social Mm -hmm. media and that's what kids want. And it's that one-on-one back and forth quick that gives them this comfortability in this ease of use. And I think that's also where they kind of get tricked and lulled into the sense of protection where I'm my friend and yeah. it's, it's not that at all. Right. Um, and I, and this is one of the aspects that, you know, I, I don't love about the job, but it's so rampant. I work, I, when I get called into schools, nine times out of 10 is because an issue's already happened right. and that's not good. Um, or when I get called with, to some parents to want to have like family sessions, it's because their kids done something wrong and it's kind mm-hmm. of a reactionary right measure. Yes. And I wish I could get out on the front end before things happen. Right. Um, but I approached a school. Um, this was two years ago at this point and like, Hey, I want to come talk to your, to your child, your, your students. This is what they need. And they're like, not right now. Like, I don't think this is for us. I kid you not. Six months later, the same principal calls me and he said, we had an incident. And I think you need to come talk to our kids. Yeah. And it was an incident of a girl and a boy sending inappropriate photos to each other. And those photos that the young girl thought were private to this one person ended up not being private. And the whole school saw it. Right. Um, 
and that's just one example of many, many, many. And, um, and that's what I think the trap that kids fall into is that there's this comfortability with the ease of use of these things. And they think I'm just sending a message to my friend, or, you know, I think I'm in love with this boy and he's asked me to send me, send him pictures of myself. And this is what my brain who's not fully formed yet. Right thinks that love is. Yeah. And so I'm going to do it because I want this person to like me. Yeah. And so that, and it's, it's scary. I mean, and I don't want parents to like throw their phones out the window while they're driving. (laughs) I don't mean this to scare them, but, um, this is the world kids live in now, right? It's a whole different ball game. Yeah. And we really haven't, you know, again, I mean, we've been talking about this in the context of, just, you know, protecting their futures, mm-hmm. right? Like their jobs, right. like colleges, whatever. But like I said earlier, we haven't, I mean, there's a whole issue of safety and predators mm-hmm. and all of that. Oh. And you, you don't think it's going to happen mm-hmm. to you or, I mean, just like when you went through that whole process with the software, you're like, oh, they're not going to find anything. It's going to be fine. Yep. It's the same. I feel like sometimes it's the same attitude with protect protection mm-hmm. is, oh, well, you know, that's not going to happen to my kid. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Like they're just talking, you know, I think to some degree, and I can say this, you know, I mean, my kids don't have social media, um, but just, I don't know. I think parents, and I'm curious what you think about mm-hmm. this, sometimes fall into this false All the time sense of security. Their kid is a good kid. They're not Mm going to do anything wrong. And sometimes parents, you know, put their kids in danger online without even knowing it as well. Right. And I'll use this example. Um, when, and every time I give a, a, a session to parents and I say this, I can see it in people's faces that I've made someone mad and I've hit a nerve (laughs) and I'm like, I'm saying this because I love you and you need to hear it. Um, it's August. It's back to school time. Mm-hmm. And you get on Facebook and every mom and every dad is posting those pictures of their babies holding a little chalkboard that says, my name is Katie and I go to Champ Cooper school and I am in third grade and my favorite color is pink and I want to be a vet when I grow up. Mm-hmm. And my teacher's name is Miss Stickles, right? Right. And so I do that. <laughs> okay. And I'm telling you this because I love you. And anyone who knows is hearing this and they're, they're triggered. It's because I love you. I'm not coming <laughs> for you because I don't have kids. And when I, every year it happens. And parents also post those things on Facebook thinking it's only my group of people mm-hmm. that are going to see it. Yep. And we forget that it's not a letter. It's a billboard. Mm-hmm. And so, and Facebook is not, it, it's gotten a lot better. And as it's grown with security, but it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to get around privacy settings. It's very easy to get around. And then the very simple thing is screenshots, like screenshots exist. So nothing is private. Right. Um, And so when you think about it from the sense of, and I hate to use it this way, but from the sense of someone that's a predator or someone Mm -hmm. that has ill intentions towards your child and these people are very localized, meaning they know where the schools are. They know when the kids go to recess. They know all of this stuff. And again, I'm not saying this to scare people. No, this is not life. at all. 
Yeah. So um, let me just say right now, everybody mm-hmm. listening is like, we're, we're not like trying to scare anybody to like leave them down in the gutter, but it yeah. is an important, mm-hmm. like you were saying an important reality to face. Mm-hmm. And these are simple things that parents can do. Yes. But simply like not posting that picture online. I'm not saying you can't take it. I'm right. not saying you can't save those memories. Send it to grandma, put it in a scrapbook. Don't put it on Facebook. Yeah. And this is why. Um, I recently partnered with Scott Perilou, who is the district attorney here in our area. And he sponsored parent sessions through Tangipahoa Parish school system where I live. I live in Tangipahoa Parish. And so he sponsored parent free parent education sessions for them to come and basically hear me speak. And before I had these sessions, I was like, I want to come talk to you because you're a district attorney, you prosecute criminals. And I want to know like how social media fits into that. And one of the questions I asked him was like, let's say you arrest a, a child predator, you arrest someone. Like, how easy do these people find these kids? And like, how do they get access? He's like, Katie, Facebook. He's like, Facebook makes it so easy for these people to find not only photos of children, but learn where they are, where they live. And sometimes in these pictures, you know, Susie is standing in front of her front door yeah, in the front of her house. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it just logically, okay, I'm a, you know, someone with ill intentions. And I know what she looks like, what her uniform looks like, what grade she's in, her teacher's name, what her front door looks like, maybe even the address of her house, because it might be on her house, right? her favorite color, and that she wants to be a vet when she grows up. And so let's say you, he's, they see your family out somewhere at the park and your child has been told, don't talk to strangers, has been told, don't, don't, don't. But someone comes up and says, Hey, Susie, I'm friends with your teacher, Miss Blah, blah, blah. And she told me you want to be a vet when you grow up. And here I bought you your favorite color, pink flowers and right. like blah, blah, blah. That's not a stranger to that kid. Yeah. And, and what Scott told me was that social media has made it one so easy for people to get information, but it also makes it easy to catch these people, which is also reassuring. Yeah. But that is a simple thing that parents can do that will keep their kids out of danger. And I know that we want to share these memories with people. I know that we, we want to do that. And I understand that because I fall victim to this too. Every time I go somewhere, I have to tell myself, I do not have to document that I got sushi for lunch today to feel complete. (laughs) And we all struggle with that. Yeah. I do not Mm -hmm. have to take a picture everywhere I go to prove that I was there. And I think parents struggle with that too. And so sometimes we unknowingly put our kids in these situations because we're just living our lives and loving on our kids. And we want to share how stinking cute our kids and how proud we are of our kids online. Yeah. And that's okay. But that's a simple thing. You know, a solution, you can take that back to school picture, but send it to grandma, send it to your close friends, put it in a scrapbook and save it for yourself and your own memories. There you you go. Yeah. Um, So that's just a simple thing that parents can do to keep their kids a little bit safer. Yeah. 
I hope part one of my conversation with Katie Morris Lebreton provided insight and understanding to the culture of social media facing our kids today, as well as some pitfalls in perception concerning the online realm. Now, like Katie said, before you throw away your phones and move to the mountains, I would love for you to tune in next week where Katie will be equipping parents with practical tools to help parents help their kids navigate social media well. If you would like to find more information about Katie and the Redhead Method social media education, you could check out the information provided in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer.